put peace into each other's hands and like a treasure hold it. I think we need some more of that. Would you join me for our prayer for illumination? Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit fill this place, that it open our eyes, our hearts, our souls to hear you speaking to us, and that when you speak to us, we might do as you tell us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Our scripture passage for today comes from the book of Micah, chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. Let us listen to God's word to us. Hear what the Lord says. Rise, plead your case before the mountains, and let the hills hear your voice. Hear, you mountains, the controversy of the Lord, and you enduring foundations of the earth. For the Lord has a controversy with his people, and he will contend with Israel. O my people, what have I done to you? In what have I wearied you? Answer me. For I brought you up from the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of slavery, and I sent before you Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. O my people, remember now what King Balak of Moab devised. When Balaam, son of Beor, answered him, that you may know the saving acts of the Lord. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O mortal, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. I don't know if you've ever taken the time to watch Judge Judy. To be honest, I hadn't really. But when Brian and I were reading over this text, he insisted. So, of course, it's like in the middle of the daytime always. So we sit down and watch 10 minutes of Judge Judy in the name of sermon preparation and sit there watching this craziness ensue. And I think this text is sort of like Judge Judy. It's explicitly a courtroom. You have the judge who's the prophet Micah, but the courtroom is set up between God and his people. I don't know that it gets a whole lot crazier than that, God being in a courtroom to plead his case. But if you think about it, it's actually a pretty common theme in the Bible. Job takes God to court because of how much he suffers. Jeremiah takes God to court over the wicked prospering. Abraham takes God to court over destroying Sodom and Gomorrah. There is a strong tradition in the Bible of these heroes having issues with how God does things. Maybe we might see ourselves on that list. But these heroes don't just file a formal complaint. They want a formal decision. So they take God to court, present their evidence, and they expect God to answer, which he does. But this time, in, in this case, the lawsuit's going in the opposite direction. In the book of Isaiah, God takes Israel to court for oppressing those in need. We talked about that passage some time ago, how we can press pause on our spiritual lives and neglect what God is trying to do. 
Here in Micah, again, God takes Israel to court, and his plea is a vulnerable one. There's a tendency sometimes to think of God as an it instead of a who. But God is a who. He has hopes, desires, things he wants, longs for. In Romans 8, we're told that the Spirit of God intercedes for us with groans too deep for words. The Spirit of God prays for us, not with a rote recitation of names, with groans too deep for words. We know that feeling. When a situation is too horrific, too terrifying, or or too joyous for words, it's too big for words, so you shout or you groan from your gut. God is a who, and the depth of his feeling for us leads him to groan. In today's Bible reading, God brings in a judge, Micah, and then presents his heartbreaking complaint. My people, my people, the ones I love, my people, what have I done to you? What have I done to exhaust you? What have I done for you to neglect me this way? We can't read this passage without remembering that God isn't a rule book. He's our creator. He wants to adopt us all as children. He wants a relationship with us, with us together, but with you personally. When Brian and I lead premarital counseling, one of the most important subjects we discuss is forms of communication. How people give and receive care. It's not just an issue for marriage, though. Any friendship, any relationship needs to be aware of this. If you don't share with others that you care in a way they can understand, what are they supposed to do? Read your mind? Let me show you what I mean. I have a friend, and it is actually a friend, it's not me, who feels loved. (laughs) She feels loved, cared for, when someone does an act of service for her. If her husband does the dishes, man, it's just the best day in the world. She feels cared for. He can affirm her all he wants. He can buy her gifts all he wants. That's nice, but it's when he does some act of service for her that she feels loved. He, on the other hand, is a words of affirmation guy. You can already see how this works in a relationship. He affirms her, lost on her. She cleans the house for him, lost on him. So one day, she walks into the bedroom, and all the clothes have been folded. She starts thinking, man... I don't remember folding the clothes myself, but that was so good of me. Man, I did an awesome job getting all those clothes folded and ready to be put up. Her husband walks into the room and realizes she's basically giving herself a pat on the back for a job well done. And all the while, it turns out, he had folded all the clothes. She missed it. Completely missed it. They had become so used to communicating past each other that she's just standing there looking at the room. Man, I did such a good job with the clothes today. I'm a gift giver. I like giving gifts. I like receiving gifts. That's how I feel cared for. So I'm running around one day, visits here and there, grabbing this and that, and I think, oh, it would be so nice of me to run and buy Brian a cup of coffee. So I run by Pine Brothers Coffee, and I buy a cup of coffee, and I'm not talking the cheap stuff. I'm the girl who's like, black cup of coffee, that's all you get. But he likes the cappuccino and the frappuccino and all the things that are kind of fruity. So I go. (laughs) 
I know. He's going to love hearing this online later. So I go and I get like the nice cup of coffee, right? And I bring it back to the office and there's this perfect window of opportunity. He's next door in the Christian Ed building looking for something. So I go into his office. I set the cup of coffee on his desk. Just a nice, quiet, simple gesture. There's a cup of coffee sitting there waiting for him on his desk. I hear him come in from next door. He goes back to his office. He starts working away. I don't hear anything from him. Thinking, well, 10 minutes has gone by, 15 minutes has gone by. And you know, Brian, he is the nicest person. He is polite. He is from the Midwest. He says, thank you. Nothing. I don't hear thank you. Nothing. So a couple hours go by. I walk into his office, and the cup of coffee is sitting on his desk, unnoticed, untouched, completely cold. He had no idea that the cup of coffee was even on his desk. Y'all, communication is hard. One of the most consistent locations of friction in any relationship is people communicating past each other. We fold clothes, they miss it. We buy a cup of coffee, they completely miss it. We talk past each other. So here in the book of Micah, God is tired of his people not communicating with him. He's tired of us and him communicating past each other. Well-intentioned as we may be, sometimes we don't hear what God wants or we do something without first listening to what God is asking. So in the end, God's complaint in this courtroom setting is simple. God says, I saved you. I saved you from slavery in Egypt. I sent my son to die on a cross for the forgiveness of your sins. I sent the Holy Spirit to support you, sustain you, to intercede on your behalf with groans too deep for words. Why aren't you communicating with me? Why aren't you simply doing what I asked you to do? What do I need for you to talk with me? Just some time in prayer. I know you're busy, but I'd appreciate it. What do I need for you to sing in church with me? Just a little bit. I know you don't love to sing, but I love it when you sing. So that's God's complaint. What do I need to get some appreciation? If we're honest, we've probably been there. You can sympathize with God's plight. If I had to guess, I would say most of us here at one time or another have felt underappreciated. And feeling underappreciated is a total drag. I would guess with even more certainty that every single one of us has underappreciated God. I'll be the first to stand up here in this new year and say that I got busy. We have our responsibilities in church, Sunday worship, rock, youth, food for thought, mission trips, committees, visiting members. Then the groceries have to be bought, got to get to the gym eventually, and the house has to be cleaned. When I look at my schedule, when am I spending personal time with God? I have my gym time, my work time, my time with my husband, but when am I spending time with God? When are you? I'm not going for guilt here because I know this church. I know you all. People here are not neglecting God maliciously. This church is more like this bit from Micah. When the people hear that God is disappointed, listen to their response. Their response is, oh no, 
God's not feeling the love. What should we do? Well, I've got a calf we can sacrifice. Good, good, good. What else do we have? Well, I have 10,000 rams we can use and a river of holy oil. God loves holy oil. Should I sacrifice my firstborn? Surely that comment came from a parent with a teenager. (laughs) But this church is like that. We're not maliciously neglecting God. Hearing that God feels neglected, we jump too. What should we do? The problem is that we jump to and do things that God isn't asking us to do. I think it's a communication error. We're talking past each other, us and God. So God replies. He makes it easy for us. He tells us what he wants. He has told you, O mortal, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with your God. Do justice, love kindness, walk humbly with your God. Do justice, love kindness, walk humbly with your God. I think sometimes we put the emphasis on do justice, which is good. But there are two others. And in Hebrew, the most important thing comes at the end of the list. Learning to walk with God comes first. Walk humbly with your God, because if you're walking with him, listening to him, singing with him, the loving kindness and doing justice will naturally follow. There was a psychologist who made a presentation at Princeton, the university, not the seminary. And she didn't believe in God. But she had begun to study this group of churches. This group of churches had an interesting practice that they encouraged all their members to do. These churches would have their members sit down and have coffee with God. Actually pour God a cup of coffee or tea or whatever you like. Set it out there so you remember God is there and that you're not alone. And sit with God while you drink it. I'll admit, I think it sounds crazy and a little bit hokey. But the room was full for this presentation where the psychologist begins to talk about this study and this group of churches who had their members do this. The presentation was to a group full of atheists, ready to hear the psychologist bash these silly Christians with their silly ritual. What she found, though, was people walked into the church saying, that's silly, God doesn't talk to me. Then they would try it. Try drinking coffee with God for six months and have totally changed. More at peace, more joyful. They described more love in their relationships. What no one seemed to catch was this woman was accidentally listing the fruits of the Spirit. The traits God promises to give to us as we grow our relationship with him. So the room hears her research and a hand shoots up. The guy says, isn't it just a placebo effect? His voice dripping with sarcasm. Don't they just believe they're with God and feel better? Her response shocked me. She said, I'm still not sure if I believe in God, but there's this amazing prayer by a Jesuit father that says, fall in love with God, stay in love with God, and it will change everything. That's humbly walking with God. She had experienced just a little bit of the truth of that. 
Walking humbly with God, spending time with God, had changed the entire culture of that church. The title of her research, when she finally published, is When God Talks Back. Fascinating. Fascinating that a woman who doesn't believe in God could figure out no explanation except that maybe, just maybe, God does actually speak. God does speak. We're just talking past each other. God says, do justice, love kindness, walk humbly. And we say, ooh, I think I'll sacrifice 10,000 rams. We sacrifice 10,000 rams. And God's like, what in the world is this for? All I ask is for you to walk humbly with me. If you're talking with God, don't you think he'll mention someone at work that needs to be encouraged? It'll come naturally. The words to say to a bully at school, a ministry he thinks you're perfect for. We hear this happen at this church. Someone went on our Guatemala trip last year because God was telling them to. In sermons and devotionals, it kept leaping, leaping out, so they went. And guess what? They did justice and loved kindness. It's funny how that works, right? Almost like God planned it. So I'm going to change the order of Micah's advice. I feel like I have the right because it's my name too. First, walk humbly with God. Sit with him, drink coffee with him, pray with him, sing with him at church, ask him for advice. When you do, you'll find yourself wanting to do justice because of God. You'll want to love kindness because of God. You'll be able to because God is walking with you. The order is important. Walk humbly with God. Let God lead you. Take time to discern in prayer. Walk humbly with God. And you'll want to do justice and love kindness. Communication is key. God isn't asking for 10,000 rams or for your firstborn child. He's asking for your time, your attention, your thoughts, asking you to not ignore him, but to begin walking humbly with him. Because here's the thing. When you walk humbly with God, you'll find that God does talk back. Let us pray. Lord, we do believe that you have things to say to each and every one of us, and you have things to say to us as a church. Give us the courage and the patience to walk humbly with you, to follow wherever you may lead and trust that in doing so, you'll nudge us in the right direction to do justice and to love kindness for all those in this community and in our families that need it. Today, we commit to bowing humbly before you and following wherever you go. Christ's name we pray. Amen.